FM Breakfast Show with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. And we are going to have a shout out this morning for those listening in Harrington, New South Wales on 88.0, Burham Buttock, New South Wales on 88.0 and Richmond, New South Wales also on 88.0. Bunch of New South Wales ones, bunch of 88.0 ones right there. Lawson, how was your day yesterday? Lyle. Yes. I am no longer broken. Oh, oh, Look, oh, I'm, oh, I'm oh, not, oh, I'm oh, not, oh, there's oh, no wait crunch. A minute, wait a minute, what's, what's there's happening no here? There's no boot, there's nothing. I saw my physio, we did some tests and some things, and he was like, yeah, you're good to walk now. And I was like, sick! And so... Going basketball tonight? Uh, yep, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Moon boot tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> nah, oh, I'm going to take it easy. Like, I've got some rehab to do, and he gave yes. me a bunch of exercises and stretches and um, a time to, to meet up again. But, yeah, uh, I don't have to walk around in my moon boot and on my crutch anymore. So, praise God for that. Really, praise God. I'm so happy. Like, it, it gets old after a while. I'm like, I'm kind of sick of this. I'm sick of wearing one shoe everywhere. I would like to be normal again and now i am so that is absolutely fantastic news lawson mm-hmm. we are so happy for you a lot of people have been praying for you praise god and uh, of course when we first heard about this accident we kind of wondered whether you'd even be doing radio it's like well would we move the studio to lawson's house what do we do right here but anyway praise god mm. you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different we're about to get into it. Before we do, we have a question for our quiz. Our first question for the quiz. What does Axe say Herod was eaten by? Okay. This is kind of unfortunate. I mean, this, yes. this kind of happens to everyone, though. But 0491-064-669. Not like this. Not like this. <laughs> is the Not like this. Is the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, you will go into the draw to win our incredible Conflict of the Ages Bible study companion set that we'll give to you absolutely for free, provided you win the draw. As I've said, this is possibly one of the best extra-biblical series of books. And what I mean by extra-biblical is, is just not the Bible. It's very much focused on the Bible and the events of the Bible and the things that happen in the Bible. Uh, but, yeah, this commentary sp- spans from before the book of Genesis to after the book of Revelation, all of that history in amazing detail. Again, that number is 0491-064-669. And that question was, what does Acts say Herod was eaten by? Okay, if you know the answer, the number to call is 0491-064-669. Let's have some positively different news this morning. Okay, I've got some positively different news that are particularly about like recycling and turning recycling into cool things in cool ways. The first story I have here is specifically about, you know, probably one of the greatest inventions of all time. At least, you know, I'm, I'm super stoked that, um, 
takeaway containers exist. This is to do with like polystyrene, uh, which is you know, the material that's used for, as I said, you know, takeaway containers, packing peanuts, all kinds of boxes. Yep. It's really cute and fun when you beat polystyrene up and it explodes everywhere. And it makes a mess and, and it, it makes fills a mess. our environment with microplastics yeah, or micropolystyrene, right. which floats around and gets in the air and gets in the water and... Is a disaster. Yeah. Yes, Lyle. Yes, we know. We know these things. Okay. But, uh, like polystyrene has sure. obviously has like fantastic uses. It's easy to make, but that's the main problem is that it's pretty much indestructible uh, yes. when it when it gets destroyed. That's an amazing product. It is indestructible. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, except a group of scientists have come up with a chemical that basically you put this chemical. They actually found this this chemical catalyst in seaweed. And you put this onto polystyrene and then put it in the sun and it completely breaks down. Oh, wow. And then turns into another chemical called DPM or diphenylmethane, which is like 10 times worth all the ingredients that would you would use to break down the polystyrene. Wow. So basically, you have a completely self-sustaining way to break down polystyrene, turn it into this particular chemical, which, by the way, polystyrene, as I said before, is pretty much indestructible in the wild. But you go around, collect all your polystyrene, chuck this catalyst in it, put it in the sun, it breaks down and turns into this chemical, which is mostly used... For, oh, well, it's used for a number of different things. Uh, it has a bunch of different uses. Some of the uses inc- include making, like, soaps and scents and pesticides. So, and- so then if I get a bunch of polystyrene next time uh-huh. I get some packaging mm-hmm. and I get a big tray mm-hmm. and I put the polystyrene in the tray, mm-hmm. put some chemical on top, do I have mm-hmm. to put it on thicker for thicker polystyrene? I don't know, maybe. Okay. So I put some of this on top and then uh, wait while the sun hits it. Yep. And then go get soap. Yeah. I mean, that soap, that chemical probably needs to be curated into something. It's probably not ready to go immediately. But it's one of the the primary ingredients in things that are scented and soaps and whatnot, uh, whether it's uh, soap or whether it's deodorant or anything like that. And as I said... The process of breaking the polystyrene down, there is an inherent market incentive yes. to do it because the pro- the product at the end is worth more. Like, I I absolutely love inventions like this because it's like, not only are you doing the right thing, but instead of being an economic burden, it's an economic solution. You make money yes. from recycling. Yes. That's genius. Absolutely. And, and especially, like, we have the different systems here in New South Wales where you've got those big containers and you can go and chuck your bottles in it. And, and, and you're a great system and you see lots of, um, you know, like homeless people and less fortunate people who will go around at night and raid everyone's recycling bins and go and recycle their bottles for them, which mm. I think is fantastic. Yeah, 100%. And it's it- giving them some gainful employment. It's giving them some activity and so forth. I'm all for it. Now they can go around and raid their polystyrene. Mm. That's right. But like, which is a lot lighter, lighter to carry. Which is a lot lighter and is in incredible abundance. Uh, this is a t- statistic I have here. No one has the exact statistic on how much polystyrene has been created because it's just, I think it's you are unable to do so. But mountains in 2018 in 
England alone, okay? 2018, England alone. 1.15 billion polystyrene food and drink containers were sold. In England, so not in the rest of the UK, in England in 2018. That is... So there's not even Scotland and Wales. There's just England. Just England in 2018. In one year. In one it's year. Just a one po- staggering amount. So the amount of polystyrene containers floating around all over the place is incredibly, innumerably high. But we have an ability to be able to break them down and make money off them. Yes. Dude, let's go. Let's do it. That is awesome. Okay, I have another story here that is about recycling, and it's about a company that is mass-producing T-shirts. And you hear that, and you're like, boo, fast fashion, boo, we hate mass production of T-shirts and, you know, sweatshops and all these things. They are mass-producing T-shirts that are made out of other mass-produced T-shirts. So their whole company business model is... You send us old clothes, we process them, and turn them into new clothes, and sell back to you. That That's, once again, that but, is absolutely fantastic. And this is one of the things that we have, a problem we have with clothing these days, is that we live in a world where a lot of clothing is, is actually made to be worn three times. Yes. Uh, it's, it's made cheaply, and the idea is that fashion now changes every fortnight. It doesn't change every season. Mm. And so they make an article of clothing to be worn three times because if they make it to be worn three times and it will wear out after three wears, then they are creating a market for themselves. And it's being driven by greed, and we end up buying rubbish, and we need to really not buy into this. We need to buy quality and then wear it for the next you know, five, six years. That's right. I have been completely turned off using shops like you got like your Zara and H&Ms, which is like, you know, you got like Kmart and Target. They're kind of like the or best and less. They're like the, the sweatshop the products. Sweatshop products. Then you've got like H&M and Zara, which are basically just sweatshop products, but like fancy. Yes, fancy sweatshop products. And they're just it's like, I was like, wow, all of this, you know, nice looking clothes. I can buy them for cheap. And then you wear them twice and you've got the pockets falling out of your pants and you've got the threads coming out of your shirt and whatever. Like I've been, com- and they're actually designed that way. They're designed to do that. 100%. And it's completely turned them, turned me off them. I'm like, I don't want to buy anything from here. And now, but then that means you spent, end up spending more money on clothes that last for a longer time. But now with this kind of solution, it's like uh, basically because this is the thing. You can thrift clothes, like you can chuck clothes in the op shop and good clothes in the op shop and people can rebuy them, but it simply gets to a point, like I've got some shirts at home, I'm like, they've lost their shape. They're done. They're, they're done. It's over. They're rags. But I can send them to someone. Yes. And they can turn them into new clothes, which can then be used by more people because ah, there is fantastic. always going to be a need for new clothes because that's clothes right. wear out. And it's like, oh, this is awesome. We can, like, like you can't. Op shop, you can't thrift everything. No, no. Can I just jump in for a yeah, second? Yeah, yeah. You can actually go to H and M as as bad as they are with pumping out all the um, rubbish, uh-huh. micro fashions. They do have a bin that you can put all of your clothes in that they will send off as a textile mm. um, place as well. So that is yeah, another but, option. But for we people. hate H and M, so <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go. But I'm, it's an option. I'm going to go to this company uh, that this article is highlighting called T Mill. Now I know this is like a fantastic business model, so many businesses would want to get into it. Uh, but yeah, this particular one, T Mill, is I like it because it's not like. It's domestic in the United States, so they are not outsourcing to sweatshops and 
forcing labor and those kinds of things. Uh, but yeah, I'm like, this is fantastic. We have the ability to like meaning in, in both of these areas, polystyrene and t-shirts, meaningfully recycle things and they enable the economy to continue to grow and people to be benefited from that recycling. So these are the solutions that we need to come up with in, I believe, in every single industry. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. To take us into more serious news before we do, we have another question for our quiz. Another question for the quiz. Jurabal is known by what other name? Jurabal is known by what other name? 0491-064-669 is the number to call. If you answer correctly, you will go into the draw to win our Bible study companion set, The Conflict of the Ages, an incredible uh, sorry, an incredible series of commentaries that take you right throughout biblical history all the way until the end of time. But again, that question was, Jurabal is known by what other name? 491 and also, oh, I just wanted to tell you as well, if you want any terms and conditions in regards to our quiz, you can head to faithfm.com.au and you'll be able to find all of your terms and conditions. That You'll be able to find everything you could possibly need to know about our quiz and about Faith FM. And also you can find the podcast. So if you want to re-listen to shows and whatnot, you can head there and do that. All right, so talking about more serious news this morning, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to go to Canada and talk about euthanasia, and their laws are continually changing over there because once you pass a euthanasia law, it becomes a slippery slope, mm. and this has happened in every single country where euthanasia laws have been passed. They begin by saying we have the strictest euthanasia laws anywhere in the world, and in a very short space of time, they are doing terrible, terrible things. Canada is an example of that. They passed euthanasia laws some time ago, and they have been sliding down that slippery slope. It's interesting to see where they have reached at this particular point. So in Canada, a patient can request aid in dying Mm. without informing family members Mm. for any reason. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For any reason. Huh? Yes, including mental health issues, not just physical suffering. So if you're depressed, you can request and receive euthanasia for depression without informing any family members. Uh, you are not required to first exhaust all other treatment options. Uh, the doctors as well as nurse practitioners can raise the topic of euthanasia with any patient. So a nurse can just walk in and hand you a clipboard with euthanasia papers on it. So, hey, here's, a, here's an option for you. This is, this is, a, this is a medical care option. Uh, the government has no commission in place to review troubling cases. Nothing. There is nothing in place. There will never be a review if, as the relatives, you will say, what, 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 wait a minute, what happened? Why, why, did, why did this person just die? Uh, next year, mature minors are going to be able to access euthanasia. And so, you know, and this is in a, in a time when we're putting in massive efforts with youth suicide prevention. Mm. And youth suicide is the greatest pandemic. It's the greatest t- uh, killer amongst you know, teenagers. Mm. And now we're saying them, no, actually death is an acceptable way, acceptable way out of mental anguish. If you're feeling depressed, then you can have euthanasia and you don't have to worry about it anymore. You can just, you know, go down to the hospital, sign a few pieces of paper, don't have to tell the family or friends or anyone and end your life in a nice, peaceable way. 
It's this is really really That is the most evil thing I think I've ever heard mm. you say. Are they getting a pandemic now of disabled Canadians who are going down the euthanasia path because they can't afford their medical bills? Don't they have universal health care in Canada? Other other disabled people say that the easy availability of euthanasia has led to unsettling and sometimes frightening discussions and depression all of its own Mm. because you're now conflicted. Should I take my life? Should I not take my life? Because it's just a signature. Mm. Uh, One Canadian Armed Forces veteran was outraged after a healthcare worker, a nurse, raised the possibility of euthanasia as a treatment for his PTSD. Get out. I'm dead serious. This this is our future here in Australia. 61-year-old man was hospitalised in 2019 because uh, there were fears that he might have been suicidal. Mm -hmm. Within a month, he was dead. He was killed despite concerns being raised by his family and his nurse practitioner. The only physical health condition on, listed on his form was hearing loss. Mm. And they were just like, why don't you just, you know, why don't you just euthanize yourself? I, man, that. <laughs> okay, so. That is, like, this is, I'm, I'm like on the verge of tears. This is shattering. This is some people really question why I opposed euthanasia so strongly here in Australia uh. because they're like you know these are people who are terminally ill these are people who are in massive amounts of pain they should have the right not to live with that pain what are you doing messing with you know with with their life and mm. and and with their decisions it's their body it's their personal choice all these kind of stuff give them some relief from their pain and you know I've been to a hospital bedside so many times where a person where when a person has been dying and uh, been relieved when they died, be- knowing that they were no longer in pain. Mm. And so a lot of people are like, Lyle, why? Just why? This is why. Because this is what happens when you devalue human life. That dude, that story of the military veteran. <laughs> imagine, imagine you're sitting there. You're trying to find, seek help. That's right. For your PTSD for because your... you're feeling suicidal. It's like, well, why don't why you Why don't you just end your life? You know what you know what country you know what country was the first modern country to bring in euthanasia? Which one? Nazi Germany. <laughs> Yikes. You know, we I've talked about this before. It took three hundred years for Alexander the Great to become not the monster of the world, but to be Alexander the Great. You know, we're, what, 70, 80 years past Adolf Hitler? It's going to take less than 300 before he's called Adolf the Great. All right, let's continue on here. The, um, everything, every, we're warned by nearly every disability group in Canada, observers from the UN, the American Medical Association, that when it comes to euthanasia and doctor-assisted death, abuses and loopholes are not anomalies. They are the inevitabilities mm. of a system that operates on a cheapened view of human value. Wow. So the so-called right to die has now become seen as being a duty to die. Mm. Uh, You've got patients that are consistently report making decisions about not wanting to be a burden on friends or family. And this is one of the things that, you know, for myself who has elderly parents, this is a real concern. I would hate for them to be handed a euthanasia form when they're in hospital 
and sit there thinking, you know what, I don't have to be a burden on my family anymore. No, I want you to be a burden on me. that's right. I value your life and I want you to be that kind of a burden. I'm, this is this is hitting really hard for me right now to hear because, like, and sorry to to be a bit vulnerable or a bit too personal, but like I I hear something like this and um yeah because my, my experience has been like sitting sitting in those chairs in hospital having that conversation where like I'm telling someone. I feel like such a burden on my family and I feel like such a burden to the people around me. Therefore, I don't want to live anymore. And seeing those nurses and doctors plead with me mm. to, 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 to not take my life. Like, and, you know, and, and praise God, like God has come into my life and changed my life. And Amen. I sit here as a changed person today who is living for Christ. But being in that place, like, ah, uh, like, like where for me, every, like feeling so, I, I guess, internally, emotionally persecuted that you're like, oh, life isn't worth living anymore. If if anyone had have put the spark in my mind at that time as a 16, 17-year-old that, oh, actually, you should go through with that. Like what you're thinking is completely valid and, and you should like, and, and and to have that option as well, like there is a very, if, I, if that was available to me, there is a very real scenario where, I wouldn't be alive today because that's what I was going through. But and you could sign those papers and your parents couldn't stop you. And and I'd be gone. But I'm here today living as as a son of God and as a follower of Jesus because instead of doing that, those nurses and doctors They fought for you. They fought for me. They lived up to their duty of care and did everything that they possibly could to help me and to communicate to me and as well as my parents and my family and my friends who were there for me at the time. To communicate to me, no, Lawson, you're loved. Like, and, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to then come into contact with Christians who showed me that in the ultimate sense from God, but like, they fought for my life. Yes. And what? Now they're just giving up? Ah, terrific stuff. This is heartbreaking. And this is the future of Australia because this is the path that every euthanasia country has gone down over around about a 20 year period. We need to pray for our world. It's a mess. May the Lord come back soon. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're about to go to our interview of the day. It's an exciting one. It's mm. going to be all about food, food which is <laughs> which good we for love. you. This is food. the perfect follow-up segment to what we just talked about. We get to talk about something incredible. Yes, this is going to be super positive. That makes us happy. Uh, but before we get into it, we're going to have another question for the quiz. Complete this verse from Ephesians 5. Husbands ought to love their wife as blank, blank, blank. 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, again, it's got the reference here. It says Ephesians 5. We give you license if you are not a regular church attendee. If you don't go to church every week and you're new to the Bible, we'd love for you to look up this verse to know the answer. But if you are a regular church attendee, if you're going to church every week, if you know your Bible, please try and guess this one. Or, you know, from not guess, but know it and, and tell us and try and get the correct answer. Again, that question was... Complete this verse from Ephesians 5's Husbands ought to love their wife as blank, blank, blank. 0491 All right. So we've got uh, Jeremy joining us on the phone this morning, I believe, to talk about salads. Yes, Jeremy, are you there? Yes, 
How's it going? Oh, fantastic. Look, we've, we've been talking about some heavy stuff on The Breakfast Show up until this point, and now we're ready to get into, well, the lighter of the meals, that is the salads, and how we can make incredible, amazing, awesome, vegan, tasty salads. Cool. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so I suppose my um, my cafes are kind of based on salads. So mm. when you walk into Revive Cafe, you've basically got a big cabinet full of about nine different salads and big bowls. Wow. Um, and then you've kind of got the hot stuff. So the salads are kind of probably half of that offering. Um, well, I want to mention that salad, when you say salad, people often just think lettuce leaves and a few bits and pieces. But my definition of a salad is much, much wider. Uh, you've got a whole lot of different, um, you know, you've got, we kind of put them into three groups. We've kind of got your lettucey fresh group. You've kind of got your grain or your starchy salads, and you've kind of got your protein-based salads. So that's kind of the, the three different groups we kind of uh, put them in. Mm. Okay, you've got these different groups of salads. As you said, people walk in, they see the salad. This is something that I imagine in your cafes is like ready to go and ready to buy. Uh, but what are we seeing? And I guess we can go through each one of those groups and how it is we can make the best, most amazing salads in that regard. Exactly. So we generally try to balance our cabinet. So we've kind of got about kind of three of each just to kind of... Um, so when people come in, the most popular items like a regular salad, which is three choices. So you pick, people might typically pick a protein one, a kind of a grain starch, and then a kind of a fresh one. Although we often have what we call a mingle, which is pretty much just a code name for just heaps of cool random stuff thrown in and uh, stick it in and hope it works kind of a thing, and it generally does. Mm. Yeah, cool. So yeah, perhaps I'll, I'll share some of our salads and some of the types there. Yeah, if you sure. If you'd like to, how to kind of construct the salad. So probably the first thing when you kind of construct, I mean, obviously if you want to go to Revive Cafe Cookbooks, you'll find hundreds of different salads pre-made. But it's often quite fun just kind of, just love just starting with what's in your fridge or what you've kind of just managed to get on special at the veggie shop. Mm. Um, often that's a great way to start because if you're starting with what's in season and available and cheap, you know, it's going to be much better better eating all around. Mm. Um, so for, for your kind of your fresh ones, um, you kind of, you kind of, you, know, you want to make sure you've got kind of just, before you start up front, what's your kind of bulking main item? Um, so, for example, if you are choosing roast pumpkin as your main salad bulking item, you're going to be there for an hour chopping pumpkin and yeah. roasting pumpkin. It's an item that you start off with like four cups of pumpkin, and once you've roasted, you've got one cup of pumpkin. Mm. So very, very low result for work and effort. But you take something like some cost lettuce or some spinach, um, or some grated carrot or some ch- finely chopped broccoli, um, those things will go a lot further with a lot less prep and a lot mm. less cost. And they taste um, amazing. Yeah, so, so and they taste amazing, exactly. Mm. So I'll get to the dressing shortly. So you kind of need lettuce, kind of lettuce bases. Mm. And one of my favorite lettuces is the cost lettuce or Romani mm. lettuce, um, which most supermarkets I think have in Australia. Um, we, it's, it's just a really nice, solid, crisp, well-defined lettuce, which is quite nice. Mm. And it traditionally goes in a Caesar salad, but it's, yeah, it's my favorite lettuce. And, and when I use it, I generally chop it quite fine. Um, and you want to find if you've got something that takes a bit of chewing, just chop it really, really fine, and it makes the whole salad experience you know, much more enjoyable. Mm. All right. Yeah, you chuck your lettuce base down, you chop it up nice and fine. I, I totally agree with that. If there's if the salad's too chunky, it can just get in the way of a good experience eating it. Exactly. So you chop it up, make make it nice and fine, chuck it down as the base, and then what? Yep, 
so then, so you got your basing, then you want to add your dressing. Mm. So, so no, I'll go to that later. So, probably, probably your other kind of what they call special ingredients, other mm. things you want to throw in, and you kind of want to again often go by color. Mm. So, pick different colored things um, and different, um, just different things to make it special. And and there's a whole, I'll wrap up a whole lot of list here for you. Like for example, you can like anything from the freezer, like frozen peas or frozen beans, edamame mm. or um, those soybeans or peas even can be quite cool to put in. Just some little bits of roasted vegetables, like roasted kumara or pumpkin or potato are quite nice as well. They don't have to take up the major part of the dish. Um, and you've got things like olives, you can throw in avocado. Cherry tomatoes are really good as well because there's virtually no prep. Yeah. And also you bunch of cherry tomatoes as they'll keep. You mm. put a normal chopped tomato in a salad, you pretty much need to eat it straight away. But if you're doing something for lunch, throw a whole cherry tomato in, and that salad can last a couple of days. Mm. So that if you're doing tomatoes, that's really good as well. So there's, yeah, there's millions and millions of ingredients you can put in. Um, so yeah, anything that's kind of looking fun, go through your pantry, look in jars, look in cans, look in your freezer, and just kind of put those next ingredients in that often will be colour-based. Mm. Um, but but undeniably, the thing that's going to make your salad live or die is your, your dressing. Yes, I agree. And there's kind of, there's kind of two, you've kind of got two kind of different classes of dressing. You've got your kind of your creamy versus your lemony. Mm-hmm. So a lemony might be like a vinaigrette or even just lemon juice and olive oil or something like that. But I find the creamy ones are the nicest. Yeah. And um, so to kind of bring that that flavour on on really well. And uh, some of the probably a go to um, dressing that I have in my in my cookbooks from the cafes is a, a lime and cashew aioli, mm-hmm. and that is basically just cashew nuts or cashew butter and water and a little bit of lime juice and a little bit of garlic and salt and you and lemon juice and those combinations just give you a really nice creamy base obviously you want to put in more water um, it's quite important to adjust it to make it you know more creamy or more or less creamy but that's a great base and from that you can either use it as it is as a kind of a, a lime and cashew aioli or you can add heaps of other things to it as well. So throw in some coriander and some mm. parsley, and you've got a nice green dressing. Throw in some, some peanuts, you've got kind of a peanutty dressing. Um, throw in some beetroot, and you can add a bit of colour to it. So that's a really good kind of starting base um, to add lots of different flavours to. Mm. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I feel like it's such a it's such an interesting meal, like being that salads are so raw and they're not really cooked or they're well, they're definitely not cooked. They're not necessarily like seasoned or they're not uh you know, they're not marinated, but then you get that dressing in there, that that layer of kind of salty savouriness and it just makes it so good. Exactly. And often you want to leave that to last. Often with the dressing, if you put it in too early particularly if you've got lettuce, it's going to make it kind of wilt and, and sink yes. down. So be really conscious of when you are eating this. You're going to eat it straight away, probably no problem, do what you want. But if you're preparing it for a dish like for like three or four hours later or for your lunch, you put a dressing on, you reopen that in three hours and it's going to look terrible. Mm. So make sure you keep the, the dressing on the side and you just put the dressing over it just before you're serving in the most and most kind of cases, particularly with kind of a lettuce-based dressing. That's mm. really important. Now, um, also, yeah. 
Oh, I was going to say, my, like my question there in, in regards to, to preparation. Now, let's say you've got like some kind of party or something or some kind of gathering or whatnot. Yeah. You want to get your salad done, but maybe you have to make it a fair bit earlier than you would like to, to serve it, you know, because salad seems like something because it's not cooked. It seems like something that is so kind of finicky in that sense. Uh, when you chop everything up, it's like, Oh, how can I, how can I, you know, is, is there some kind of precautions? that you need to take when preparing salad so that you can serve it in the most optimal way, particularly if there's time between when you're making it and when yeah. you're serving it? So what I do, for, for, for say you've got a church phone or a potluck or something, mm. so what I do is, in general, I'll, I'll make all the ingredients except the dressing. I'll put it in the bowl, I'll mix it up, and then I'll put a separate container in, mm. like a little plastic container or so container with the dressing, mm. and I'll glad wrap that separately. So when it turns up on the table, you've got a salad with the dressing next to it, and you just write on the top of it. I write on the top of it with a black felt pen or something. Um, aioli dressing, please a drizzle over just before serving or something. Mm. And that's often a good way to make sure that people don't go in too early and, and wreck it. And they just do it just before serving, which is a really good idea. Mm. Oh, amazing. Although, although when, you, when you're making the, the salad, you kind of, I want to throw it on now. I want to see what it tastes like. So it's really hard. You kind of got to know. It's also important to judge how much you want to put on the salad. Yes. So again, have not enough or too much. You don't want to have it swimming in it. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want to just kind of gauge, uh, and every salad's different. And for example, noodle salads, they'll soak up the dressing. So when we make our noodle salads, mm-hmm. we just put more dressing on because two or three hours later, even though the noodle salad is fine, it'll soak up the dressing so that, and it gets really dry. So every salad has got its own little personality you need to deal with. Oh, that's amazing. Now, we've got... Uh, a- other good- Oh. Okay. <laughs> you, you can very clearly hear the uh, the connection disparity between Australia and New Zealand. It's like we'll both start yeah, no, sentences really. at the same time. Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, now the dressing. So, um, other other dressings are really cool. A, a pesto. Mm. So oh, pesto is yeah. traditionally like a um, like a coriander or a basil, or you can do any herb you want. Um, as a pesto is really nice as a um, as a dressing, and also a, a satay sauce. Mm. And that can be as simple. I've got a, and often you can. You can do stovetop satay sauces. We have to cook things and everything. But even just peanut, peanuts or peanut butter with some lime juice, some salt, a bit of ginger in a blender, and within like a minute, you've got yourself a satay sauce you can throw over a salad. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be, uh, be too complicated. That's so true. I can tell you, like, I have completely turned on to kale. Like previously, I think like most people, it's like, oh, kale, oh, I don't know. Oh, it's kind of gross and kind of nice sometimes. But yeah, it's been making kale salads with satay sauce, particularly like I love soy sauce. So chucking a bit of soy sauce and the satay as well, giving it that salt base has just completely turned me on to making kale salads because they're just fantastic. That's great. And also just a few tips for kale, which is a great vegetable, mm. particularly if you're new to it, is making sure you slice it really thinly. It can yes. be very, particularly for new people, it can be very hard to chew through. So give it a really good slice across the grain mm. um, and that can help it out as well. And also sometimes you may want to just, just lightly steam it or just put it in a pan just to kind of take the edge off the rawness. Mm. There's another thing you can do with kale as well to help it along. Um, so those dressing, I'll just quickly go through the other type of salads. And there's um, obviously your grain or starchy types. Um, a rice salad is really good. Couscous, quinoa, bulgur wheat, buckwheat, sweet potato, noodles. So you've got a really good base there. And those things individually can be quite boring, but just mm. add some dressings and cool little um, toppings and they can be amazing too. Wow. 
And then obviously you've got you have your protein class, like a chickpea. So one of the most popular is a, is a Moroccan chickpea, which has got chickpeas with that aioli base um, and some, um, I think there's sultanas and some other vegetables as well. Mm. And some, and some you know, Moroccan flavours like your cumins and your, um, your corianders, et cetera. Uh, bean salads can be nice. Um, tofu salads with some roasted tofu, some poi lentil, you know, a little lentil salad. Poi lentils are really good because they really hold their shape. So those are kind of some good ones there. So, sorry about that. Sorry, you were saying? Yeah, poi lentils are really good as well because uh, they hold their shape. So uh, having party there, eh? Yeah, I don't know. We, uh, there's just uh, something going on with the board. Yeah, I think, I think we're just celebrating in the studio because of how amazing this sounds. This makes me want to have a party (laughs) and bring a ton of salads along. Dude, I'm, I'm thinking about my birthday's coming up soon. I'm just going to say, hey, look, guys, vegan salad party. Let's go. Everyone get your Revive Cafe cookbooks out. This is what we're, we're going to (laughs) do. And it's one other tip with salads is, um, is be really gentle with them. Don't overmix them. You can really damage it. Put your ingredients in your bowl. Just give them a really nice slight top up with your hands. Don't get too many spoons in there because you can really damage the ingredients. So just mm. be really gentle and uh, don't uh, don't overmix things. Mm. Um, and also, you can serve them warm or cold. If you've got some, some warm um, sweet potato on the thing, just serve it as a warm salad. Mm. So just change the name of it. Call it a warm salad. And you can serve it instantly as well. You don't have to be cold. fantastic hey jeremy thank you so much we have quickly run out of time but i hope our (laughs) listeners have been blessed by talking about and getting all into all things healthy amazing and tasty thanks for being a part of the faith fm family join our community on facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM